All right. So um, Matthew, who's going to come up in just one second. Matthew is, uh, he's, let's see. He's on our, I would call him volunteer staff, which is because he and his wife, Carice, who couldn't be here tonight, they, oh, she is. Yay. Yay. Wherever you are. Um, oh, feeding the baby. Always something, right? Feeding the baby. Um, so anyway, they are overseeing our ministry, our ministry teams, uh, our ministry prayer teams, which, and they're doing such an awesome job. They're both part of our next gen leadership team. Uh, Matt, they, they, they oversee in a counter group, which is for young adults, and they go deep, deep, deep in the Lord. And if I could say one thing about Matt, bringing him up here, it's that that's totally his life mission is how deep can I go with the Lord? Just how deep can I go? And you're going to figure that out as you listen to him because he's going to take you there. So would you honor and welcome Matthew Gio? Wasn't the worship great? Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Joel and Aletta and kids. That was amazing. Um, it seems like every time I'm up here, the Lord's always like putting the right songs for what I'm going to say. And I know it's the Lord because, you know, Joel and Aletta, you know, it seemed like there's a theme to the worship today. And it was exactly on point. So, thank you. Um, so, let's pray before I say anything. So, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, today. And I just pray that uh, you would open our hearts, including mine, in that Holy Spirit, that you would be the one to speak. Because um, really, I mean, I'm just really not interested in just saying words. I want you to speak. We want you to speak. Um, God, would you um, just show me um, which points to highlight and which points uh, maybe don't need to be said? I just, we just, I just surrender this time to you and just ask that you have your way. And God, would you just give me grace to be able to represent your intentions and wishes well. And I ask for it in the name of Jesus. So my talk today is, um, I guess I came up with the title, The King We've Always Wanted. So, and the reason I titled it that is because uh, there's something I notice even within the church uh, is that we have a, a lot of times we have a very skewed perspective of how Jesus thinks about things and processes things and even feels about us. Um, we have this, this perspective that... Um, I just really felt like Jesus wanted to just break this off of the church is that his love towards us, his affection towards us is based on our performance, is based on the amount of sin or lack thereof in our life. 
when nothing can be further from the truth. Um, you know, I've had to re-evaluate and go over the good news many, many, many times, and I still do, because one thing I've realized is that if the gospel doesn't sound like incredibly outrageous, too good to be true news, then I'm not getting it. Like, if his love doesn't captivate you when you hear the gospel message, you're missing something. Yeah. I, I just invite all of you just to camp there. Just, like, what would compel Jesus to willingly leave his throne and come as a weak, feeble human being that can be tortured, beaten, and tempted in every way that we can be tempted. I don't know if you realize this, but the God of the universe actually humbled himself to the point where he was just as vulnerable as us. That's what the scripture says. He was tempted in all the ways we were, except he didn't sin. And a lot of times we like to camp on that part, oh, he didn't sin. Because what we like to do is go, oh, well, Jesus was tempted and he didn't sin, and we use that as a, a thing to get, condemn ourselves because of the sin in our lives. When the focus is that he was tempted in all the ways that we are. I don't know if you realize that, but the very next passage is about us. Because of this, we can now approach the throne of grace boldly and find help in our time of need. That's the very next verse. So the focus, obviously he didn't sin. Like, that's a given. But that isn't the focus of the verse. The Paul, that wasn't the Apostle Paul. Well, actually, it's in Hebrews. It says, uh, we're not really sure who wrote that. But um, what gripped Jesus' heart when he chose to pick up that cross again when he fell over and to continue to be scourged and beaten it's a, it's a question worth asking because, I mean, you can just attribute it, oh, it's because he's God and he has a will way beyond ours. But no, like he was, a, he was fully God, but he was also fully human, just as weak as we were without the Holy Spirit. He didn't start his ministry until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a reason for that, because he wasn't capable of doing what he was put on earth to do until he was baptized with the, with the Holy Spirit. I had a very skewed perspective of Jesus growing up. And granted, like I had, I'm just grateful that I, that someone taught me about Jesus. My grandmother taught me about Jesus and gave me my first Bible. And I'm, I'm very grateful because I know her prayers are what brought me into the kingdom. 
but I still had a skewed perspective because, you know, when I thought king or authority figure, like I, all I thought of is someone who, you know, is in charge and who kind of lords over you and controls you and, uh, you know, to get their way because that's, that's the only paradigm I had growing up. You know, I'm not saying, you know, my parent, my parents were actually very good parents, but you know, nobody's perfect. You know, we all have our moments. So I went into my relationship with Jesus going, oh, I better, I better not do anything to displease him because I don't want him upset with me. And that's how I grew up all throughout my childhood and high school. And it wasn't until college that I actually feel like I actually got saved, like I actually realized who Jesus really was. But that skewed perspective, what it did is allowed me to get into this bondage. Um, since high school, I, I had this, from high school all the way through college, I had um, really, really bad porn addiction. And the reason that was desirable to me is because um, I was the guy that everyone rejected in school. I was the person everyone picked on. You know, when I would go it to PE and put my PE shorts on, oftentimes I would find itching powder in my shorts. And then people would come and beat me up just because I walked down the hall. So I had a lot of rejection. Like, I had a very low view of myself. And I didn't see, I, I had no hope that anyone would ever accept me. None. I was depressed all the time. And it wasn't until college when I finally encountered Jesus the way he always wanted to encounter me. And he used that porn addiction to encounter me because I, had, I got to a place of just absolute brokenness. Even after I got saved, I couldn't shake it. And it, it, took, it took time. It is like three years into me trying to walk out the Christian life. I still struggled with that performance thing. I was, you know, I felt like the worst Christian in the world. And I cried out to God day and night well, for what seemed like forever, eight months to a year. I don't remember exactly how long. And it seemed like it just got worse and nothing was happening. I'm like, God, where the heck are you? Like, how can you expect this of me and you not help me? I, ha I, can't, I can't do this. And, you know, and one night I was ready to throw in the towel. And that's when he showed up. I, it was, I, I don't know how to describe it with words because I really won't, wouldn't be able to, but... I literally felt myself being lifted off the chair, thrown onto the floor, and the love of God shot through me. And I, I've never felt love like that uh, until then. 
Never. Like, I knew that God loved me. Like, I, there was, at that moment, there's zero doubt. And that love was so overwhelming, it just felt like lightning shooting through me. And um, I was sobbing. I was a mess. I was in a fetal position on the floor, sobbing until the sun came up. And that's when it finally stopped. I did not sleep that night. And I didn't want to. And I was so afraid I was going to die because the power was shooting through me. I was, I was actually afraid for my life. Like, because it was so much power shooting through me. But I didn't want it to stop because I finally felt loved. I finally felt accepted. But it didn't end there. Like, I still, you know, I don't know how long. Months after that encounter, I still struggled with porn. And I just couldn't figure out, like, how could I even want this thing anymore? And I just felt condemned. Like, like even more so. Like, I am screwed up. Like, how could I go back to that after encountering God like that? And I've never shared the process I went through after that encounter before because I didn't have words for it until today. But I had to go through a process of sorting out, like, what is going on? Like, I don't want this. I, with all of my heart, I don't want this. Yet, I keep going back to it when anything in my life, and I, I realized it was when something went wrong, when I felt overwhelmed, I would run, run back to that. When I felt rejected. And there's something I learned in that process. No matter how many times I screwed up, Jesus was there. In fact, he was in the midst of some of the darkest times of my life. I, he was there. Like, I would, I literally just would, I don't know, just feel like I am just complete trash right now. And there he would be, even closer, smiling. Like, I, it's almost like I could feel him there, just smiling and embracing me. So I, really what I'm trying to do is introduce you to the king who wants to be your most intimate and closest friend, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how you feel, like whether you, you feel you're valuable or not. Like I, it's, I think it's really important that we no longer see ourselves based on how we're doing, how we evaluate ourselves. So I want to um, share some things that I learned through that process of being free. One of the things I learned is that Jesus is not even a little bit angry or disappointed with our weaknesses. And I have a few verses here for those of you who want it from the Bible. 
<laughs> so, I mean, the most obvious one that we've all heard is Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love towards us, and now while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our acts together to come and to be tortured and to be beaten and to die on the cross. When we're there spitting on him, throwing things at him while he's hanging on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Isaiah 53.4 says, Surely our griefs he himself bore. Let's stop right there. What does that mean? That means he actually felt the weight, the intensity of our griefs, of our sorrow, of our pain. It's, we, we read over that and go, oh, he took on our sin. No, yeah, that's not exactly what it says. It says that he took on our griefs upon himself. He literally took it on. He felt it. He felt the weight of it, the intensity of it. In our sorrows, he carried. In Hebrews 5, 2, it says, he can deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided since he himself is beset with weakness. That is an interesting verse. In Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. And that Greek word is intense, like... There isn't really a good equivalent English word for it. It's basically like over-exuberantly, sorrowfully groaning. Like we're talking like the kind of groaning when a parent loses their child, that kind of groaning. That's what that, that word means. Groaning's too deep for words. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all the things we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It doesn't say that we approach the throne of grace when we have all all our ducks in a row and have, have our act together. It says, come to the throne of grace in our time of need. He's not expecting you to fix everything before you approach him. In fact, the one thing I've learned just in my relationship with him is he actually, it actually grieves him when we try to fix ourselves before we go to him because he simply just wants to be with us. He wants to be an integral part of our healing. So you know, here's, a, here's another verse that really struck me. Who, who would you say is the giver of grace? God, obviously. And who decides how much grace is distributed? God, again. Well, I never saw this in Romans 5 before, but 
Romans 5 says the law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, so as sin reigned to death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what's the point? Sin increased, but in conjunction, grace increased all the more. What does that tell you about God's intention? And, and also, I mean, you really just think about that. What does it say about God's heart towards sinners? And this is something I've preached on before, but 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Apostle Paul, he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I, then I am strong. And I would invite you just to camp there, because... You know, Paul wasn't one to just mince words. Like, when he said that, he meant that. Like, what is life like when you are actually happy about your weaknesses? <laughs> Where your weaknesses are no longer a source of discouragement for you, but they actually encourage you. His power is perfected in weakness. What, what, it also should shift your thinking about how God sees weakness. Why would he increase his power through weakness? So if our weakness is not a hindrance to God, then what, what is our problem? And I, I think it's the way we deal with our weakness that's the problem. This is just stuff I wrote down. Um, just, just thinking about this. How we see Jesus and our weakness will determine how we deal with our weakness. And this is the central point of this message. Like if you see Jesus as someone who's upset every time you screw up, who's someone you can't approach every time you screw up, then you're going to try to deal with it yourself. You're going to, you don't trust Jesus, so you're going to independently go and try to figure it out and try to get your act together. And 100% of the time, you're just going to feel empty. Because it's up to you to make things happen, to fix things. Do we feel the need for things to be fixed inside of us before we approach him? Do we have a need to build up our confidence to overcome what we are going through apart from him? 
Do we have a need to feel better or happy independent of him or his presence? And I've, you know, I would say yes to those things. Uh, you know, I am definitely much further along in my relationship with the Lord now, but I mean, only a year ago, I'd probably say yes to many of those questions. What I've, what I've discovered is that the most freeing thing ever is to really discover who Jesus is that he really is close, that he really doesn't need you to get your act together. What he wants is for you to draw near. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's a choice. And the enemy has us so locked up and I need to get it right. And Jesus is holding out his hand and he's, he's not manipulative at all. He didn't, in my porn addiction, I must have failed thousands of times. Like, I, I lost count. And yet, he still had his hand out. But I, I didn't choose to grab his hand until, who knows, the 20,000th time. It took me that long to figure out that I can't fix myself. But when I grabbed his hand for the first time in my life, I felt truly accepted, truly valuable. And all, all of the pain from my past rejection, just, his love just washed it all away. And I didn't need that porn anymore to feel okay. What I'm telling you is it, ha it either, I mean, uh, we all know this, that it's the blood of Jesus, it's his death on the cross that makes us worthy to approach him. But I find that not every Christian really understands that or really believes it. They still condemn themselves. And I'm, what I'm not saying is not a license to go sin and do whatever you want. I mean, that would be foolish. What I am saying is that you, you're not going to be able to, to change without him. He doesn't want you to. In fact, I mean, I won't go through all the verses, but there are many places in the scriptures that say you can't. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that if you go that route, you're following the law. And the Apostle Paul warns very vehemently in Galatians against following the law. I'm going to jump to a different point because um, this is something that I learned the hard way, and I don't want you guys to learn the hard way. But a lot of times when we pray to Jesus, and we're praying in our pain. 
And we want God to show up a certain way, to feel okay. So we put this box that God can show up in because in our pain, we don't want him to come any other way. This is how I want you to come, God. Otherwise, you haven't answered my prayer. But the thing is, God will not allow himself to be manipulated. He won't. He loves you. He'll still be present. But that's not a prayer he can answer, nor will he answer. So I stopped, I, you know, I've stopped seeing silence when I'm praying for something, like no answer. I've stopped seeing that as a bad thing. I've started seeing that as, hmm, maybe I need to change the way I'm thinking about this. Or maybe I need to change the question I'm asking or the request that I'm asking for. Maybe I need to change my request to something that God can and eagerly wants to answer. That will probably bring me more breakthrough than I can possibly imagine beyond what I was asking for before. But oftentimes we get offended when he doesn't answer in the way we want. And then we, we interpret that as God's not answering my prayer and then we get offended at God. I'm just being real here. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Yeah. Sometimes we're so familiar with our brokenness that we need him to show up a certain way to feel okay. And that actually hinders him from showing up in the way he wants to show up. There's, in, in, you know, this, you can go in the Bible and figure it out, but this is just from my experience. Sometimes we have that brokenness and he has to show up that way, otherwise we're not okay. And he so wants to come in with our breakthrough, but it's not exactly what we want. There was a time when, you know, I'm just crying out to God for because I wanted his peace and his joy and his comfort. But he didn't show up that way, and I didn't get it. I'm like, well, God, that's not what I asked for. But he came, probably because I told him he could show up any way he wanted, even though I didn't really mean it at the time, but he took it anyway. Yeah. So... <laughs> He's like, that's all I need. <laughs> all right. I can work with that. But, um, but he showed up in this, it's what I call the holy presence of the Lord, where the only thing you can do 
is fall on your face in reverence. And I didn't even realize that I was being oppressed at the time. I didn't know that what I was feeling was from the enemy. But when that holy presence came, the enemy fleed. And I actually felt the demon pop off of me and run. Like, but if he didn't show up that way, I would have just been content with comfort. And the problem would have never been fixed. Jesus was always there in the midst of my brokenness. And he, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to illustrate, hopefully I'm doing a good job, is that Jesus is not interested in you being okay and dependent of him. In fact, the Bible actually teaches against that. We as believers, we are to walk in the spirit, not by the flesh. If we have a need to be okay apart from him, that's walking in the flesh. And the Apostle Paul says the flesh breeds corruption. At some point or another, you're going to get to a place where you realize how broken you are and you've been deceiving yourself. Because all that time, you've never got into that place of intimacy of his presence and you never actually dealt with the root issue. But he... And you know what's so amazing to me is something he showed me is that you know, basically Jesus is telling me, you know how I've always shown up when you wanted comfort and peace and all that, and you never actually dealt with the problem? Well, I kept coming because I love you, even though I knew it wouldn't solve your problem, because I knew that you weren't able to deal with the abandonment or the loneliness if I didn't show up. So I came anyway, oftentimes reluctantly, but in love. He shared that with me. He's like, with some reluctance, I did show up because I didn't want you to feel abandoned. And so that, that should just like change our thinking about if God shows up, he endorses what we're doing. That is, that is not true at all. He showed up many times to the Israelites and the Israelites were just off the wall, like, in sin, like. <laughs> and see, that whole line of thinking is based on him showing up is based on me doing things right. So is it by grace and his mercy? Or is it because we're righteous? Because we did it. We may... We did all the right things in the right formula for him to show up. And oftentimes we can misinterpret him showing up as, oh, we're doing the right thing. Simply, uh, when, when the simple, honest truth is he loves us, so he showed up.
He said he would never leave us and never forsake us. It's a pretty strong statement. And how can he say that? Because of the cross. When he looks at us, there is zero reason for him to reject us. Zero reason for him to not love us. He actually loved us before the cross. Which says even more about God. (laughs) So Jesus actually will submit to our brokenness and meet us in that place. But it's not the place that he prefers to be with us. And if you want me to provide a scripture for that, because some of you, like, I needed it, so I'm just talking to myself. Luke 13, 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those sent to her, how I often wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. That's an example of Jesus submitting to their brokenness. He didn't do what he wanted because they didn't want it. So the, the only, what, what I'm trying to show you here is that you can't, you can't live this Christian life without his presence, without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. His standard is so high that you will never attain to it. That's what the Apostle Paul so vehemently tried to argue. It is an impossible task to even live one day of the Christian life without sinning once, without falling short once, without the Holy Spirit. And that is the the exception. If I walk in the Spirit... I can live an entire day under his power, under his love, under his ability, the fruits of the Spirit, his ability. The fruits of the Spirit are not something that we take possession of. They belong to the Holy Spirit. It's not something, merit badges that we can put on ourselves and say, oh, I have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What it means is that the Holy Spirit, we're abiding in him and his character is transforming us into his image. And we now exude the character of the Holy Spirit because of our connection to him. The fruits of the Spirit demonstrate our relationship with the Lord has nothing to do with me being, oh, I'm good now. I have the fruits of the Spirit. No. <laughs> In fact, again, that's going to the law. That's like, oh, I'm attaining my own righteousness. I'm attaining my own confidence in myself. I'm, it's, it, I'll just spare you the struggle. It's, it's way overrated. What is actually needed is Jesus. And that's, that's, this is, if I want to drive any point home, this is it. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. 
you can't do anything. He, he even said so. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we really need to look at these verses and really meditate them. What in the world did you mean, God? Because I don't, like, I, I actually obviously accept this because you said it, but we need to go beyond that to, like, I need to deal with how uncomfortable this is making me in my paradigm, in my reality, because um, there's something that this passion says that I just want to glaze over because it messes with my paradigm. We, we need to stop and allow it to mess with our paradigm. We need to allow the scriptures of who the Bible says Jesus is to actually change us and to not, to not just glaze over things we're not comfortable with. We do it uh, automatically, subconsciously sometimes. And I ask the Lord all the time, God, would you stop me when I do that? Because I don't want to miss a thing that's written in this book. I don't want to miss a thing that you've told me. He is so not manipulative, but that oftentimes he will speak so silently that if you're not still, you won't hear him. And the reason why is because he doesn't want to say something that would influence your choice. And if he spoke louder, it would influence our choice. Think about that. Like, if we heard his voice, it would actually interfere with our free will most of the time. When his presence comes, we are compelled to follow him. It's why in heaven, we're going to be worshiping him. We, we, it's not that he wants to take away our free will. I think that's why it's so important that we have choices here to him. Because when we get to heaven, it's not going to be the same. Not that we're not going to enjoy it and that we still can't choose, but it's like a, I don't understand it. The free will will still be there, yet there'll be that heavy influence of his presence. And this is my opinion, and I don't think he wants children who worship him because they're around the throne because his presence is there. He wants people who actually chose him. Without any influence, outside influence, convincing them um, besides him showing up. Like, you notice, this, and this is, this is something I learned through the porn addiction, through my uh, freedom in that, is that despite how many encounters I had with him, it was still desirable to me. I could not grasp that at all. I had so much struggle with that. Like, I encountered you all these times, and I still want this. What is wrong with me? <laughs> but he really, he will not manifest himself in a way that will prevent you from making the choice. Because he refuses to manipulate you into making that choice. He so values your ability to be you and to make your own decisions. He could very easily impose his will on you, but he doesn't. Of course, his perfect will will happen no matter what our choices are because he'll, he knows how to figure that out. But whether you um, want to participate in that is your choice.
he, he speaks silently. Because one, he doesn't want to manipulate us, and two, if we're not hungry enough to hear him, then we can't steward what he said. Because we don't value or treasure what he's saying. There has to be a point where you're so hungry for him that you just want to hear him say one word. It doesn't matter what it is. I just want to hear you, God. And you hear that one word and you so treasure it that you would literally die to be obedient to that word. And, and that's where we have to get. And that's when he can share his real treasures with you. That's when he'll share his secrets with you. How am I doing on time? So, it is 8.30, so the kids will need to be picked up soon. I mean, I guess what I want to do right now is just uh, pray together um, and just surrender all of our paradigms and misconceptions and all the things that we just, how we wrongly see Jesus that are, have hindered us and have locked us up. He is the king we've always wanted. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't force us to do anything. He's safe no matter how much darkness we've chose to be in. That's the Jesus. That's the king we serve. That's why we can approach this, the throne of grace boldly in our time of need. Because he's safe. Because he is love. He, he has perfect love. That's why the angels are around the throne singing holy, holy, holy. You know they don't have to be there. They choose to be there because God shows another facet of how good he is and how loving he is. And all they can do is fall to, to their knees and sing holy, holy, holy because they see something. They're, they're just captivated by how good he is. Those angels don't have to be there. It, it, the Bible proves it when Satan decided to rebel against him. They really don't have to be there. Yet they can't leave the throne room because they're so captivated by his love, by his holiness. So Lord Jesus, we repent for all of the things that we've held onto, the mindsets, the perspectives, the coping mechanisms that prevent you from coming into our life the way you want to come in. We surrender those things to you. And Lord, would you reveal to us right now what those things are so that we can lay it at your feet. Lord Jesus, we want you. 
fully in our lives. We don't, we don't just want what we're comfortable with right now. We want you in your fullness. And, and I'm going to pray this for myself. You can pray it with me. God, would you just come and break down all of the comforts that I have that hinder you from coming, no matter how hard it is, because I want you more than anything else. Jesus, I want you more than anything else. I don't want my coping mechanisms. I don't want my comforts. I want you. I want you to be my comforter. I want you to be my defender, just as we sing in worship. I don't want any other comforter or defender. I want you, Jesus. So I surrender it all to you. If some of you um, need to do something, I just invite you maybe just to come forward and just kneel before him. Because some, for some people I know they need to take action. And if that's you, feel free to come forward. Thank you, Lord. surrender our need for independence that we gained in the garden when Adam and Eve fell. We want that fellowship of the garden that they had before they fell. We don't want our independence anymore. We want you, Jesus. We don't need to know things apart from you anymore. Jesus and have your way. Truly have your way in our lives. We're done with needing to feel gifted or confident or like we're someone apart from you. We don't need that anymore. We want you, Jesus. We want you to show up. And we want everything that you paid for on the cross to manifest in reality and on the earth. We want your kingdom to come in its fullness, God. God, we want to think like you do. The mind of Christ, God. God, would you just we just say right now, we, we want you to to reveal and expose all those things that are in warring with the mind of Christ, warring with your thoughts, God. God, we surrender them at your feet. And God, would you give us the grace to surrender it because we can't do it without you. 
We make the choice, but we need your grace, God, to really surrender it. We need your power to truly surrender these things to you. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, come with your power. Come with your power, God. Come with your uh, ability to lay these things at your feet, God. Give us your supernatural strength to actually be able to make these choices, God. We can't do it without you. to come the way we're comfortable with. Come as you are, Jesus. Come exactly the way you are, Jesus. Jesus more than we know and yet you don't you don't reveal that to us because you don't want to overwhelm us because you don't want to interfere with our choice to run to the things we run to but Lord Jesus we're asking now would you reveal to us our dire need for you God, that we would never look to the left and the right instead of looking straight at you as our source of our strength and our comfort and our love and acceptance and our joy. God, I pray that from this day forth that our joy would, in the morning when we wake up would be to be with you. That we have you, that you would be our joy. that all the things of this world would just fade away and lose their value and insignificance apart from you. God, that we would no longer desire to do things independent of you, even ministry. that we would be so hungry for you that we would not move until you showed up because that is the hungry vessel where you can come in your fullness, where you can do the things that were impossible before, where you had the biggest demons blocking you, but when you show up, Jesus, those demons must bow to the name Jesus. Those obstacles must bow to the name Jesus it's because you show up, Jesus, that those things bow to your name, God. So I just invite you to stay in this place.
you I find peace when I find you I find healing when I find you I find peace when I find you I find healing when I find you I find peace When I find you, I find peace, holy love, would you flow in me, come and feel me. the deepest sea, like the crashing wave, flowing over me, holy love, God, 
want to um, bless everything that the Lord has done tonight because what happens when the Spirit is given permission to move is that he does <laughs> and that there have been seeds planted here today in your hearts and he's the one that's going to walk this through with you he's the one that's going to cause those seeds to grow for your roots to go deep. And Jesus, thank you. I declare over you just tonight from this place a whole new level of intimacy, of depth with Jesus because of the shift that's going on in your, as your spirit is convincing your mind of what is true. God's spirit that's speaking to your spirit, convincing you of what is true. And when you find yourself going back to old patterns, old ways of trying to fix yourself, just simply as the Holy Spirit shows you, just simply agree, Lord, that's, that's not the deal. That's not the gospel. Here I go again trying to change me. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, enter into this place with me and show me what's real. Show me what's true. So I just declare that new place because this is going to take you to new places. So I bless you in this journey. And if you want to, you cool playing a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So if you just want to sit for a little bit, please do. If you just want to soak in this. And um, anytime you want to go, please do. And there's still biscotti if you want to bless Todd. There's still some children over here if you would like to sponsor a child. And Jesus is with you right where you are all the time. Amen.